I'm Gary Bard, founder and editor-in-chief of today's Caregiver Magazine and Caregiver.com, and your host for our weekly caregiving podcast series. In this podcast, we will introduce you to many of the leading caregiving thought leaders, authors, experts, and even caregivers with famous faces who have graced the covers of our magazine. Connie Siskowski, RN, PhD, is the founder and CEO of the American Association of Caregiving Youth. Connie was educated at Johns Hopkins and New York University. She obtained her PhD in 2004 from Linden University to have a bigger voice for family caregivers. Connie was named as a Purpose Prize winner in 2009 and a top 10 CNN hero in 2012. And as an aside, she's been a friend and colleague for more years than either one of us would like to admit. Connie, it's such a pleasure talking to you today. Likewise, Gary, and I would be happy to admit it. I always remember the day when I was uh, just starting MDTU and you walked in the door. So, that yeah. Was, I, I I always say you were my first advertiser. You're the first person in the world who believed in what we were doing, so I never... I never forgot or forgave you for that. Yeah, and then I, I for a while I wrote a column called "On Your Behalf" for yeah. the magazine. So that was that was neat to do. That was that was fun, and now oh my gosh, the things you're doing that you've you've noticed um, and uh, supported uh, a segment of family caregivers that I talk about. I just talked about it at the caregiver colloquium. Um, which is uh, Caregiving Youth, and developed the American Association of Caregiving Youth, which I talked about a lot at the colloquium. Tell me about the AACY, how you started it, um, what you've learned from it, and and what's new. Well, Gary, you mentioned in in my introduction that um, you know I graduated from Lynn in 2004. And I really went back to get my PhD to have a bigger voice for all family caregivers, never expecting that my doctoral research would include this large and growing population of caregiving youth that people at that time didn't really want to believe uh, existed. So um, because of that work and then the first national study um, that was conducted by the the United Hospital Fund Foundation and National Alliance for Caregiving with Gail Gibson Hunt that showed that there were at least 1.3 million children in our country uh, ages 8 to 18 um, who were doing caregiving. That was followed by another uh, report from the Gates, funded by the Gates Foundation that looked at young adults who dropped out of school and 22% said it was to provide care for a family member. So between the national study and that study, we were able to receive funding to begin the first caregiving youth project in our country in uh, Boca Raton Middle School in 2006. So um, since that time, uh, we have expanded in Palm Beach County um, to children in 35 middle and high schools, plus we have students who are in 22 other schools that do not have the in-school program at their school yet. We also got some seed money and began the Caregiving Youth Institute with our first conference in 2015, 
And since that time, we have had four in-person conferences and one virtual conference. So uh, we also uh, developed affiliates and some national partnerships. Uh, one of the biggest challenges is that the government has, has yet to recognize this population in need of support. So last Friday, I am happy to say that for the first time ever, we have had a congressional resolution naming uh, the first National Caregiving Youth Week during National Family Caregivers Month. And that had bipartisan support. So um, hopefully that's a good first step. And we'll also travel on to the GAO that is supposed to be doing a new national study. I think it's I think it's incredible, and I, I remember um, last century when uh, we sat with Suzanne uh, on the restaurant in Los Olas, I think, and was, she was talking about uh, moving a National Family Caregivers Week to National Family Caregivers Month, and now it is the the linchpin, the kind of the cornerstone of family caregiving. I can absolutely see you starting a week like this. Um, creating conversation about caregiving youth and you know breaking barriers of people not realize not realizing how important this is and it becoming just part of the conversation when we talk about family caregivers well you know back when i was a top 10 cnn hero the first um the first film that cnn uh, shot was called behind closed doors and that that topic is so true, and I think that's part of the reason that these children are so hidden, right? Because the work that they do is behind closed doors. It's not the expectation of adults or really anyone that children would be in this role, um, but they are. And so, you know, I've been have been saying, you, you might see a child pushing mom or grandma or somebody in a wheelchair. And you say, oh, that's sweet, you know, that's so nice of them to help. But people don't think about what happens when they go through that door and the door closes. How does, um, in general, how does uh, being a, a caregiving youth affect the, um, the, their studies, their uh, uh, interpersonal mm -hmm. relationships with their friends? And even, uh, I'm not sure if you've done any studies to see how that's affected their life as they've grown into adults? So, yes, we know that in addition to potentially dropping out of school if they're not supported, that they may underachieve academically. And, you know, Gary, you've been under stress. Other caregivers have been under stress, and it's impossible to learn when you're stressed. So everything that we do is to try and reduce that. Um, children also have physical, you know, real physical um, complaints and, and things that happen to their bodies when they care for somebody who may be much larger than they. Um, one of the boys uh, complained about his back hurting, and when we did a home visit, we found out that he and his single mom were lifting his bed-bound, wheelchair-bound brother in and out of their single-family home, up and down the steps in his wheelchair. So we were able to find somebody to build a ramp 
And not only did that help both he and his mom physically, but now he had time after school to um, be with some friends. So isolation is really a big thing, and it was compounded during COVID for sure. And, you know, if you're worried about what's going to happen, what grandma's going to do if you bring a friend home from school, that's one thing. But often parents don't want their children to go into an environment like that. So it it really has limited their friends and ability to uh, be in extracurricular activities. We don't know a whole lot about what's happening in the future uh, with these kids. Uh, we have started uh, recently started an alumni group. But what's interesting is is how many kids want to go into something in healthcare, whether it's to find a cure for that illness that their parent has, or um, just to to be a nurse, um, because they have learned uh, the joy of caregiving in a in a professional as well as an informal sense. And it's certainly not a new issue. It's just you're doing what you can to bring it to the to the forefront. Um, I remember when I was a college student 116 years ago, my uh, college roommate was telling stories which just shocked us all about uh, how he had to, at 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, care for both of his parents, you know, lift them and guide them and and do things that kids aren't necessarily supposed to do. You know, grew up into a very responsible uh, human being, but I know it took its toll. Yes. And it took its toll with me. I think, you know, I've shared with you and others that I took care of my grandfather when I was between the ages of 11 and 13. And it was at a time when trauma in children was not recognized. And so um, not only, you know, was providing personal care um, shocking in a sense, but also I think when I went to take him his medicine at two o'clock in the morning and found him no longer breathing, that that was something that has stayed with me forever, and it really affected my uh, personal life and maybe even my professional life since I went on to become a nurse. But I was in counseling when um, it was pointed out to me that what happened during during those middle school years um, had influenced my, my personal life. What are you hoping to see from the work of the AACY? Um, and what what are your what are your plans going forward? What 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 do we what do we hope to see from you? So a couple of things. One is that um, we need to get federal as well as uh, support in each state. In Florida, we're working on forming the Florida Caregiving Youth Act, as well as a task force for all family caregivers and including respite uh, within that. So I'd really like to see that. I don't want any child in our country to have to drop out of school because of family caregiving responsibilities. So, you know, what does this spread strategy really look like um, is is really kind of still in the development stage. We um, typically partner with an existing nonprofit Um, who wants to become an affiliate so we can provide that support and and materials needed. Um, It's kind of like a nonprofit franchise model. And um, then 
you know, there's we're working on seeing what we can do electronically, maybe developing an app. We are we did work out with the school district here to award um, students in high school community service hours for the work that they do in caregiving, which is not only gives them recognition for the value of what they're doing, um, but also allows them to graduate from high school. Now, not all high schools require that, uh, but if they don't, it looks good on, on somebody's resume as they're applying for college. What do you um, want to say to caregivers or people listening to this if they all of a sudden they realize their friends or relatives, their their friends' kids are um, caregiving youth and what they what they should do? So a couple of things. Um, one is is to say thank you. You know, kids say nobody tells me thank you, so that's an easy thing. But then also to provide them with maybe rides to the grocery store if that's what they're having to do, to link them up with maybe other resources. If you're a parent, if you're an, an adult caregiver and you have children at home, you may not recognize the work and, that they do and the impact on them and how they really want to protect you. So often they don't share um, they don't share their concerns and their stresses because they can see that that you're already overwhelmed and they don't want to add to that. So um, I think you know the recognition and the support and um, the support not only with resources, but legislatively, because that has to happen. A absolutely, and um, give me the uh, the uh, internet URL that uh, you want them to go to to get for more information. So our website is simply aacy.org. That's easy. Yes, like YMCA, but A-A-C-Y. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could see the, the arm movements. Um, yes. <laughs> Connie, what's, if you could talk to every uh, caregiver youth out there, uh, what would you like to say to them? I would like them to know that they're not alone, that there are so many other children in this role, and that, you know, it's important for um for them to know that they're valued and appreciated and that we're working hard to get more recognition and support for them throughout our country. We are having discussions with people in several different states who are wanting to support this population. Like Rhode Island reached to us um, looking to reimagine high school and recognizing that children today are having to caregive and also to work. Um, and then, um, part, you know, some of our partners, like at University of Miami, Miller School of Medicine, FAU, um, UNC, Chapel Hill, some of those, you know, important partners that are part of the research um, that we're working on. Well, thank you for all you do, and um, just keep doing it. 